Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you, and it's a privilege to see all of you this morning and share together as we worship the Lord and as we exalt Him, especially coming into the Christmas season. What a blessed time this is. Let me introduce myself. Most of you know me. Some of you may not because I know there's some new families around here. My name is Mark. I am Stephen's older brother, eldest brother, actually. Stephen is in... Uh, Middletown today, I'm the teaching pastor at Middletown, and so every so often I get the privilege of being here, and so this is one of those days where I get the privilege of being with all of you as opposed to Middletown. It's a great privilege to have two campuses, two places where we gather together to worship, and uh, one church with two locations so that we can spread our ministry and the work of the Lord in even greater fashion. So it's a privilege to be here today with all of you. So I just want to say thank you for allowing me this privilege. I've got two or three things kind of announcement-wise, but some things I just want to remind you of. One is we have been doing some stewardship emphasis during the month of November. And for the last couple of weeks, last Sunday and this Sunday, it's a time for us all. I know you've been thinking about your giving for next year and uh, how to fit that into your budget. And some of you have been uh, filling out commitment cards just to turn in. I want to tell you, these are not cards that we take and we call you at the end of the year and say, hey, you haven't fulfilled your commitment. It just helps us as a leadership in the church to be able to look at the ministry and what we are doing from a financial standpoint and be able to step forward in the right way and to be good stewards of what, give, what God has given us. And I think if you need a card, Scott has some cards. If you haven't had a chance to fill one out, if you want one, you can raise your hand. You can see Scott at the end of the service and he will give you one. And I just encourage you to do that. It does help us as a church to just overall see where we are. And I want to say thank you to all of you. This has been a strange year, hasn't it? Shake your head this way. Everybody go like this. This has been a very strange year. But in the strangeness, even when we as a church family were not gathering together for a while, you were faithful in your giving. I know of a lot of churches across the country that are really struggling financially. And yes, we've had our challenges as Axis Church. But I want to thank all of you for your commitment for your giving, for undergirding everything that's happening here as a church with your prayers and your financial support. Because, you know, it takes all of us working together to do what God wants us to do, and we are the vehicles through which God works. Isn't that something to think about? God does His work through you, and so we open ourselves to allow Him to do that. A couple other things I just want to, want to remind you of. At 5 o'clock tonight here, everybody come back. Our kids are going to do some things, some uh, uh, drama kinds of things. We're going to have some Christmas get-togethers. And so I want to encourage you to be back tonight for that at 5 o'clock. Also, on Christmas Eve, put this on your calendar. It's the best way ever to start Christmas and Christmas Day. We have Christmas Eve candlelight services both here and in Middletown here at 3 o'clock and at 4.30 and then at Middletown at 7 o'clock. So I'd encourage you to come to one of those at some point in time when it's convenient for you and your family so that we can uh, kick the Christmas day off uh, by being together as a church family. We are in this little series for Christmas where we're looking at the names of God, the names of Christ as Isaiah wrote them when he was talking about this one who was going to come. 
the one who would be coming to earth. And as you look at those names, you find a great description of who Jesus is. There's a family that you may be familiar with. It's called the Dunger family. They're out of Arkansas. This family has 19 children. The last child was actually born in 2008. He was a baby boy. He was uh, a boy that was born, and because he was the 19th one, there was a horde of reporters that were converging around the family home just to report on this amazing fact that here was the 19th child. All of their 19 children, their names begin with the letter J, except their 19th. For some reason, they broke uh, their normal pattern, and they named him Tyler Wayne. Instead of using a J, I think they should have used a name like Jeepers. We have another baby or something like that. That's what I think they should have named him. But they named him Tyler Wayne. But here's what I want you to catch. His dad, Jim Bob Dunger, said this. He is the ultimate Christmas gift from God. Now, I really don't argue with that a whole lot. As a matter of fact... Our last two grandchildren that were born, well, maybe not our last two. We have nine. I can't keep up with them. We had two grandchildren born around Christmas last year, and they were great gifts. But I want to tell you something. They are not the greatest gift. They are not the ultimate gift. The ultimate gift that we have ever received is the gift that God gave us as a baby not born in Rogers, Arkansas, or not born a year ago as my grandchildren, but in Bethlehem in Judea, to a young maiden named Mary. There was very little fanfare. The reporters did not come and stand around and uh, say something about this great event that was taking place. It was in the middle of the night, in most unusual circumstances, where, get this, God eternal entered the world. What a thought. But 700 years before that, before this baby was born, there was one who wrote of the one that was going to come. It was the prophet Isaiah in chapter 9, verse 6. He says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Think about those titles. Those are strange titles for a baby, aren't they? I mean, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What strange titles, especially the one that's in there where he says, Everlasting Father. Wait a minute, how can that be? This is a baby. How can he be an everlasting father? Charles Spurgeon put it this way. He said, how complex is the person of our Lord Jesus Christ? Almost in the same breath, the prophet calls him a child, a counselor, a son, and the everlasting father. You think there's got to be a contradiction in there someplace, but there is no contradiction at all because he is God incarnate. He is God coming into the world. <coughs> Excuse me. By the way, if I cough, 
it is not COVID, all right? Don't get worried about that. I have had a cold for two weeks, and so it is my typical December cold, and so that just goes with the territory. Sorry about that, folks, but don't get worried about it. I still, I don't ache. I don't have a fever. You know all those things you get when you have COVID? So I'm in good shape other than the cough. But Jesus came to the world, the physical embodiment of God the Father. The angel said to Joseph, he said, you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And I want you to catch this. Jesus was not a junior partner in this agreement with God. He is God. He is not the vice president coming down representing the president. He is the one. As a matter of fact, Paul says it this way in Colossians chapter 2. In Christ, all the fullness of God had, li had lives in bodily form. He lives in bodily form. We celebrate this incarnation. We celebrate the birth of Jesus. We celebrate God coming into the world. But ultimately, he came. For one purpose, and the purpose was to save us from our sins. You know, I love Christmas carols. Now, I like the new songs we do too, the songs like we did this morning that David led us in. But I am a traditionalist, and I have to tell you that. I love Silent Night, Away in a Manger, and Hark the Herald Angels Sings, and those traditional songs. And the second verse of Hark the Herald Angels Sings says, Christ my highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of the favored one. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. God with us. The eternal Father, the everlasting Father, means the enduring compassionate, provider, protector of all of us. And here's the bottom line. God loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son into the world. And in that gift, we see that love. We see the proof of God's love. So this morning, I want us to take a few minutes, and we're just going to think about, and I want you to think with me, how he shows you how much he loves you. Especially when you think about him being the everlasting father. Here's one way he shows you how much he loves you. He chose you. He chose you. Think about that. You know, most days we feel pretty good about ourselves, don't we? But we have those days when we go, why would anybody ever choose me? Be honest. I want to tell you about a family. And this is not a family that's so far away from here. As a matter of fact, it is a family that lives in Fairfield Township. It's the Rosenau family, Scott and Kathy Rosenau. They have four biological children, two of whom were born with significant special needs. Aaron was born in 1983. Aaron struggles with a severe learning disability and language disorders, and she will probably never, ever be able to live by herself, but she works with her parents in the ministry that they're involved in and the things that they do. 
Ryan was born in 1989. He was born without a right hand. But in spite of that, because of him understanding that he has some disabilities, he and his sister always got along and really supported each other. As Scott and Kathy began to see that and see how the two of them worked together, they began to think about the possibility of adopting other children with special needs in hope that maybe in doing that they could offer this same kind of camaraderie that they saw in their two children. Of course, adopting children with special needs, especially if you're adopting internationally, is extremely expensive. And as they began to investigate that, they discovered that it may not be something that they could do. But in 1998, the Rosnals learned about an infant boy who had been born in Bolivia. He was born without his left foot. And although they didn't have the money, they went out and through friends and family and church, they raised the money. They went and they brought this young boy back and adopted him as part of their family. And they found that there were other kids who had the same needs that they had. And they were deeply moved at how God was working and using them to do these ministry kind of things of seeing these children, seeing the needs, and then adopting them into their family. And so they began to set up a way that they could adopt more children. And over the next two years, they adopted Megan and Robin from China, Colin from Bolivia. And they witnessed how God was doing all of this for them and putting together this, this ministry. And finally, they knew that there were so many of these children that had these special needs all over the world that they could not adopt them all into their family. And so in January of 2002, they officially formed what's called Shepherd's Crook Ministries. It is a nonprofit organization, and what they do is put together families and children with special needs so that these children can be adopted by these families. What a great ministry. I love that story because it is a story about someone who takes a person who has special needs. They're not the best of the best as some may say. You know, they're not 100%, as some may say. In other words, like you and me, they're imperfect. And they adopt them into the family. You may say, man, that's hard for me even to believe. That's hard for me to fathom that somebody could do that. It's exactly what God's done for us. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Did you get that? God wants you. As imperfect as you are, as imperfect as I am, God wants to adopt us into his family. God decided that we should be a part of the family. Have you ever been left out before? Remember when you were a kid, probably you had uh, these sporting kind of things. Maybe it happened at school, maybe someplace else. And the two best players would always be appointed the captains. Remember this? And the captains would take and you would line up everybody else and the captains would pick people for their team. And so you're standing in the line over here with all these other people. Here are two captains out here. And they start picking the people around you. And what are you thinking in your mind the whole time? Pick me, pick me, pick me, right? And finally he gets down to the last two. 
Sally and Mark, right? And you're still going, pick me, pick me. And the next captain says, Sally, and you're going, wait a minute, you picked a girl over me? What do you think you're doing? Have you ever felt that way? You know, you're kind of the last in line. God looks at you and says, I want you first. You're that important to me. I'm not going to leave you behind. You have value to me, and I want you to be a part of my family. God chose you. The everlasting Father wants you. That's how much he cares about you. But let's think of another way that he shows his love for you. He also provides for you. He provides in so many ways. This has been such a strange year for all of us with COVID and the shutdowns and everything else that's happened that one of the things that we have been concerned about, obviously, are provisions. How do we take care of those basic needs that we have? Well, God has a way of taking care of our needs well beyond anything we could even think. Two or three times a week, I probably get a call from uh, Gail, and the call will go something like this. Hey, when are you coming home from work? And uh, for us, it doesn't work quite that way because she usually comes to where I'm working anyway, and we get some things put together, but she'll call and say, I need you, or before I walk out the door and leave and, and we go home together in two different vehicles, she'll say, we are out of milk. You ever notice that milk, for some reason, you're always out of milk? Can you stop and get some? And I go, yeah, I'll stop and get some milk. Can you imagine how many gallons of milk that family, the Rosenals with 12 kids, must go through on a daily basis? I mean, it takes a lot to provide for a family. And one of the things we do as parents is we do everything we can to make sure that our family has everything that we need. Some of you as parents may be having that conversation right now with Christmas coming up. Your children want something for Christmas. Finances are a little tighter than they have been in the past. And so you get together, the two of you, and say, listen, this year... Let's not get anything for each other. Let's just take the money that we have and we'll buy things for our children this year. You had those conversations? You see, that's what a parent does. A parent provides for children. It's exactly what Jesus is talking about. Matthew chapter 7, he says, Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Oh, James writes and says it this way, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. You know, we make mistakes as earthly fathers, earthly parents. We change. We don't always keep our promises but our everlasting Father keeps His word. He does not change like shifting shadows. He provides what we need. He is there for us. He provides all that we need. Isn't that a great thought? God, Jesus, the everlasting Father, loves you so much 
that he cares for you. Jesus wants to provide for you. And that's part of what he does. There's another thing we talk about provisions that he gives to us, and that is he provides protection. One of the things we do as parents is we try to protect our children. Remember in the New Testament when Jairus came to Jesus and he came and he said, my daughter is sick and Jesus healed her and brought her back from the dead. Or in Mark chapter 9, there was a man who came to Jesus and told him that his son was possessed by a demon. He said, help my son. He would do anything to have Jesus help his son. And Jesus, the everlasting father, helped him. Always at Christmas, we think of that time when Jesus was born and the heavenly father came to Joseph and said, listen, you need to pick up your family, Mary and Jesus, and you need to take them to Egypt because there's someone who is wanting to harm him, to kill him. Even God, the heavenly father, provided protection for his son while he was here on earth. And in the same way, he does the same thing to us. And before he did that, he even brought and provided the provisions to go. The wise men came. And you know the story of the wise men. They brought those, sp those special spices and gems so that they would have the financial means to make the trip. God provided for them. Herod wanted to kill the baby, but God kept him safe. You know, the verses a part of the Christmas story in Matthew chapter 2 say, After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother. Go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So when the time was right, God even said, All right, it's time to go back now. You're safe, you're fine, you're well. He protected his son. I love how the psalmist puts all of this. If you read Psalm chapter 121, Here's what it says. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forever. Isn't that a great thought? Listen, God is watching over you. Are you going through some tough times? Yeah, we are. It is not easy right now. God hasn't left you. Left you. He's still providing for you. He's still protecting you. He's still watching over you. He gives us another thing because he loves us, and that is he provides his presence. One of the best things we can do as fathers or as parents is to be there for our kids. Just to be there for them. There is nothing like our children when they are on the basketball court or the football or playing in the band or doing gymnastics to look up in the stands and they see mom and dad sitting there. There is nothing that compares to that for the kids. You know, as kids, we loved it when dad came home. Both for me, Sherry, Jonathan, and Stephen, we loved it when dad came home. He would, he would work all day at church. Usually in the evening, he would come home for supper, and, and uh, we would always say the same thing. 
Of course, we were kids. This is what you have to say. Did you bring me anything, right? And sometimes he would. Every so often he would show up with something that he got us during the day and he would bring it home to us. But sometimes after supper he would say, you know, I've got a meeting tonight. I need to go back out tonight. And, and we were always kind of a little disappointed when he had to go back out. But we just, we loved it when he was home. There was something about dad being there. Jesus gives us a promise and says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. What a wonderful promise. Especially this time of the year when the pressure mounts, when for a lot of people loneliness sits in. God says, I will never leave you. This time of the year when suicide rates seem to dramatically increase, and people forget the truth about what Christmas is all about, God still says, I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. The everlasting Father promises to provide for you, to be there with you, to show you his presence. And there's another thing that he promises to give you. And that is he provides forgiveness. Probably this is my favorite one. My favorite one because I need this one so much. I just need forgiveness. I need someone to say, it's okay, you're forgiven. I need mercy. I need grace. I need his salvation. Ultimately, that is why he came. He came to bring salvation and forgiveness to all of those who accept him. You see, the Bible says that we are all sinners, that we all deserve punishment. We deserve death for our sin. We were under the sentence of death. That's why Jesus came. He came to pay the price, to pay the sentence, to stand in our place, to die in our place. John chapter 3, verse 16. You know the verse, don't you? It goes like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That one verse sums up what God has done for us. He loves us. He sent his son into the world so that we could have forgiveness and everlasting life. My friends, that is the greatest Christmas gift ever. And it came wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. He took our pain so that we could be saved. He took our sin so that we could be forgiven. He paid the price that we should have paid. He is the one that stands in our stead. Years ago, the preacher Edsel Taylor told the story of how when he was a young child for Christmas one year, his gift was a pair of roller skates. And this was the time back when they uh, had wood-burning stoves in the kitchen and they uh, cooked their food on the wood-burning stove. And like most kids who had their first pair of roller skates, he was not very good at roller skating. He wasn't very good at turning the corners. He wasn't very good at stopping when he needed to stop. And one time, he went rolling across the kitchen area 
And uh, it was quite evident that he was not going to stop. His arms were flailing all over the place, and he was right, heading right for the wood-burning stove where he knew he was going to hit that hot stove. His face was about to be seared by the stove when at the last second, his father reached out his hand and stopped his son's face. But the velocity of the movement of the boy on roller skates pushed the father's hand into the, to the hot stove. And you could smell the burning flesh as the back of his hand was severely burned when it hit the stove. Etzel said that all of his friends thought that uh, it was the most hideous hand they had ever seen because of the scarring that was on the back of the hand. But to him, it was a hand of love and protection. And years later, when his father passed away, the undertaker took and he put the good hand on top of the scarred hand, trying to hide the scarred hand in the casket. And Edsel Taylor went up to the, uh, to the undertaker and he says, no, he says, I want you to put it the other way. He said, I want you to put the scarred hand on the top. And he said, I want you to put the scarred hand there because it shows how much my father loved me. Someday you and I will also see a hand that has scars in it. It won't be because a father caught a son that was about ready to hit a hot stove. It will be because the everlasting father came to earth and gave his life and died on the cross for you and for me. And there comes a point in everyone's life when you will need to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have an everlasting Father who provides peace and protection and compassion, care and forgiveness. And you need to know that He never sleeps. He never leaves you. He is always there. He promises to be right there beside you when you need Him. And that's why He's called the everlasting Father. The one who is there for you who will never leave you. And maybe today is the day, if you don't know the Everlasting Father, for you to say, yes, I want to know who this is. I need that kind of protection. I need someone in my life who will stand up for me, who will forgive me, who will provide salvation for me. And that's what he says he will do, because he is our Everlasting Father. Pray with me. Father, today, we come to you as your children recognizing our need for you in our lives, recognizing our need for the everlasting Father. We see in you the one who provides all, who gives protection, who is there for us, who is there to, to walk through life with us and show us the way. And we just ask and pray today that you will help us in this season to recognize you for who you are. And if there's someone here who has never said, yes, I know Christ is my Lord and Savior, let this be the day when they take the step toward that to say yes to you, to begin this Christmas season by beginning it the best way they ever could with a relationship for the reason for the season. And we pray this in Christ's name.